It's so good to be here and having the opportunity to share with you some thoughts from God's inerrant word. God breathed so that we might breathe in here. This morning I want to just uh, share a story that I read, a little short story, and then we'll move into our sermon, but there once was a, a drunkard who uh, spent all of his time in the local bar with his buddies. And one night, this uh, uh, drunkard was there in the bar, and his wife comes in, carrying a container, and says, I know you have been so very busy, and that you just haven't had time to come home, so I thought I would bring your supper with uh, to you. He took it and she left and uh, his buddies who were sitting around began to snicker at how uh, she made him look bad. Well, in a little bit, he asked his his drinking buddies, uh, would you like to uh, have some dinner with me? And they said, yes. And so he takes the container and he opens it up and there was nothing in it but a note. And the note read, I hope you enjoy your supper. It's the same as me and the children had at home. And you know, as I heard that story, it reminded me that, you know, these non-Christians, what they are clinging on to is just like that man's supper. Empty and useless and non-fulfilling. So tonight, or this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to First John, not First John, John chapter 5. And we're going to read Uh, The first nine verses. So, if you're able, I would ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. After these things, there was a... Now I think I'm on. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind and lame and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons after uh, into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever was first uh, into the pool, uh, after it was stirred, stepped in and made well uh, from the uh, from the let's see, excuse me, from whatever disease that which they had afflicted. 
And a man was there who had been there ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been a, a long time in that condition. And he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately, the man became well, and he picked up his mat and began to walk. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. As I read that scripture, I saw at least three things that this scripture reveals. It's it's a familiar uh, scripture. You've heard it many, many times. In fact, uh, you've probably heard not only me, but other preachers preach from this scripture. But it tells me something that I think you and I need to sort of latch on to in order to be all that God wanted us to be. So I want us to look at this scripture and I see three things that I believe is revealed in this scripture. And the first of those is, is found in verses 1 through 5 and that is the condition of the man. In verses uh, 1 through 5, it says that the man had been there for 38 Years. Can you imagine being sick, unable to do anything, depending totally on somebody else for 38 years, and, and every time you try to find, get help, uh, somebody gets in front of you and takes the help away. Have you ever felt that way? Have you felt sometimes that, that you were just at, at wit's end? That no matter what happens, the, something is going to happen and, and you're not going to reap the results that you're hoping for. So, here he is. An elderly man, probably. Or he's been sick for 38 years. And he just can't move. Now, his, his friends, uh, according to God's word, uh, apparently brought him to the uh, to the pool, to the side of the pool, so that he could maybe, just maybe, uh, get into the water when it was stirred by the angels, and he could find healing. But they dropped him off and left him, and didn't think anything else about him until nightfall. When they would come and pick him up, load him in the cart or the the donkey or however they transported him, and take him home. So that the next day they could go get him, bring him back to the pool, drop him off, and leave him 
all day long. As I thought about this man, this condition of this, this, this man, I realized that here was one of God's creation who was helpless. He couldn't walk, apparently. He couldn't, he couldn't even hardly scoot. But that was the only way he could move around all day long. And so, essentially, he was helpless. But not only do, do I think that this man was helpless, I think he was also hopeless. For I really believe that uh, he had to, when they first started bringing him there to the pool of Bethesda, that he figured that, hey, I, all I've got to do is get into the water. Just get into the water and I'll be healed. And he, he thought he'd be there for a few days, or a few, uh, maybe a few weeks. But before you know it, a year had passed and he still hadn't made it. He didn't lose hope. He said, well, maybe it's just going to take a little longer. And he said, maybe in five years. Maybe in five years, I'll be able to get into the water and I'll be healed and cleansed. But five years came and went. And there he was. Still by the pool, unable to get to the water. And after five years, I think he began to think, I just have no hope of ever finding it. So here we have this man sitting by the pool who was helpless, and he was hopeless. And I think in actuality he realized he was really friendless. For those that had brought him there just dropped him off, left him for on his own day after day after day after day. He might have called them friends, but I don't think they were very good friends. So here's the man. Helpless. Hopeless. And now friendless. Brothers and sisters, there might be some in this room right now that are in that one of those phases. Maybe you feel helpless. Things have just been just falling apart. And there's nothing you can do to correct it. You feel helpless. Maybe there's others that have lost all hope. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I'd hoped that someone would step up and 
Say, my brother, let me help you into the food. But it didn't happen. So here he is, still helpless and hopeless. And because no one would step forward, not those that brought him there, not those that were standing around, he was friendly. It makes you want to give up. That's what it makes me feel. I just want to give up. So there we have the condition of that man. And is it possible that you find yourself in a condition similar to that? So the first thing I see in the scripture is the condition of the man. But I also see in the scripture the concern and compassion of the Savior. The concern or compassion of the Savior. Verse 6 and seven. Listen to it again. The sick man answered him after Jesus had said, Do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to, to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps down before me And Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat. And walk. Jesus, when he walked up that day, he looked and he saw that man and he had compassion upon him. He saw in his eyes and in his being the hurt that he was going through. And there might be some here in this room right now that are hurting and we need to be ready, willing, and able to step forward and say, what would you have me do for you? That's what Jesus said. And if we as Christians are going to model our lives after as as he as Jesus modeled his, then we need to be our eyes and ears open as we go about our day to day activities and say, "What can I do to help you?" But most of us are like all those friends and all those others that were around that pool. And say, well, I'm sorry you're hurting. And move on. But it says, when Jesus saw him, immediately he knew the condition of the man. You see, Jesus sees us. He knows everything that you do. He knows your every thought. 
He knows when you hurt. Because when you hurt, Jesus hurts. And when you cry out, Jesus cries out. I don't know about y'all. I want to be more, more about like Jesus. And if I'm going to be more like Jesus, I'm going to have to keep my eyes, ears, and smell, and hands, and feet ready to serve my fellow man. Because you see, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I made a commitment then that I would do all that He called me to do. And part of that is loving my neighbor as I love myself. Brothers and sisters, we need to be ready because Jesus is watching. He has called us to be His hands and His feet and His voice and His eyes. He's called us to be His ambassadors on this earth. And we are being an awful failure we don't follow that. So as I read those two verses, I realized that that is the concern and the compassion of the Savior. Now compassion is not just feeling soft. It means hurting. Like that, like the object that we're ministering to hurts. One of the things that, one of the many things that I appreciate about Pastor Steve was his compassion for his friend who is right now waiting for a transplant. Is there someone in your life that's hurting? I have a friend, a member of this church, who's hurting. And I don't think she would mind me telling you. It's Rosalie Walters. She had a pretty good day yesterday. But her white blood cell count has gone up. Or dropped down, I don't know. It runs more tests. Even though she had been feeling better, today she's feeling worse.
And we need to minister to them. Her daughter is almost at her wit's end. Because nothing seems to be happening. Church, we need to rise up, pick up our mat, and walk. Walk to do ministry to those in our congregation and those in our neighborhoods and those in our city and in our nation and in our world that are hurting. Rise up and get off of our duffs. Walk and live like Jesus walked. So we see the condition of the man. Discouraged. Helpless. Hopeless. Friendless. And we see the compassion or the concern of the of the, of the Savior, who just, just looked and he saw beyond the surface, he saw the need. I think there's a song somewhere that says, he looked beyond my need and saw me. We need to have compassion like the Savior. But finally, the last two verses, in verses 8 and 9, listen to what God's Word says. Jesus said to him, Get up and walk, pick up your pallet. And immediately the man came, became well, and he picked up his pallet and began to walk. That was the Sabbath. We saw the command, didn't we? Did you see the command, what Jesus said? He didn't just pat him on the back and say, you, everything's going to be okay. Now that's the, that's the easy way. That's what we sometimes do. We just sort of pat him on the back and say, I'll pray for you and, and everything's going to be okay. That's not what Jesus did. He told him to get up. And then do something. Pick up your mat. But just picking it up is not enough. I want you to walk. Is it possible that he's telling Haven Baptist Church today, March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, to get up and pick up our mat and walk and minister to those that are hurting around us. He's here. What is he telling us to get up and do? I think the first thing he's telling us to do is get up and confess your sin. 
Romans says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means Jim Kidd is the sinner. That means that you are a sinner. But he said that even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, you got to do more. You got to scoot faster. He simply said, Come and confess your sins. And if you will confess your sins, I will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you want to be clean? The invalid in the Scripture wanted to be cleansed. He wanted to be healed. But he had to do something. (coughs) And he had to be told what to do and helped to do it. Brothers and sisters, Jesus commanded the man to rise up, pick up his mat, and walk. He's calling you and me to rise up and walk. Walk to make a public confession of your sin. Admit to us. Admit to him that, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of all that you want to do for me. But because of your compassion, here I am. But not only do we need to confess our sin, I believe that we need to be willing to express that confession by going through the baptismal waters. Oh, there's nothing magic about the water in our baptistry. There's nothing magic about it, but it's doing what Jesus did. And I believe it's in God's Word that Jesus was baptized by John, and it's in here for a reason. It's to set an example for what you and I need to do. Rise up! And walk through the baptismal waters. But not only that. I think it's telling us to rise up and become part of a local body of believers. I believe it's in God's Word that says we should not neglect the gathering together with God's people. Rise up! Become part of God's people. And then
than the one who sees. The one who knows all things. Said so when you have done all of that, rise up and walk through the gates of glory. God's Word says, Jesus said, I have gone to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and call you unto Myself, that where you are, I am. Or where I am, you are. Folks, He has offered us an eternity in heaven with Him. But we've got to rise up and walk and do our part in order to reap the joy of our salvation. So today, There might be someone in this congregation this very minute that you've you've confessed your sins to Him but you've never made it public. There might be someone here that needs to Come down this aisle. And admit openly, I'm a sinner. Condemned and unclean. But because of Jesus, I am as white as snow. There might be someone here in this room at this moment, who has made a confession, either at home or somewhere, but you've never followed through with going through the baptismal waters. Is there someone that needs that today? I don't know. But I know someone that does know that sees and knows everything. And that's my Lord and Savior. He knows me so well, and Mike so well, that he knows how many hairs we have on our head. Now, I admit that I don't have that many, so he didn't have to count too high on me. But Mike, you're getting close. But he knows what decision you and I, we need to make as individuals and as a church. And that decision is, rise up, get off of those pews, and walk and do service to those who are hurt. I'm going to have a word of prayer. 
Jared's going to come and he's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. And if you find yourself honestly needing to make a decision, I challenge you. Rise up and walk down this aisle and share that decision. Mike is going to be here to help you. I will be up front to help you. Whatever God wants you to do, rise up and walk and make that decision. Jared, you come and lead us in a hymn. We'll be here. Let us pray. Almighty and holy God, here we are gathered in your house, hearing your word. Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that that we will just do what you want us to do. That we'll be what you want us to be. That we will rise up and walk and make the decisions that you would have us make right now. Thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do in this congregation, in this community, in this state, in this nation, when we follow your leadership. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray.